Well, good morning, Transit Church. Happy summer. Summer's a happy time. Um, My name's Peter McCarthy. Jeff Toomer, our senior pastor, is on vacation this week, and um, we're really excited for him. I know his family was like, he just needs to chill out a little bit and just calm, calm down and read a fiction book. I'm like, what's a fiction book? Jeff's like, yeah, I don't know what a fiction book is. Um, so he's, he's at the beach right now, and he'll be back next week. So if, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here with us today. We're in our series um, in Proverbs, and we're going through just different Proverbs to draw themes from Proverbs and talk about just the wisdom that can be gained from Solomon's writings in the Proverbs. And uh, so today I have the privilege of, of bringing to you Proverbs 8, and we're going to jump into that. But before we start, I just want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and lift up the name of Jesus. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you reveal Jesus. I thank you for your word, that you authored your word, that you communicated to us, that you gave to us. I thank you that after Jesus' baptism, you came and descended upon him and you remained. That when Jesus left, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that if you're upon Jesus, that you would come upon us and make us see Jesus. And that you would bring forth the truth from Proverbs 8 today. God, we need you. We're desperate for you. Pray you do heart surgery on us, that there would be nuances that come straight from your heart, straight from your hand to touch us. God, to rewire our hearts to know you, to love you, to see the world the way you see the world, to see people the way you see people. So I invite you here, come, be glorified, be magnified in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of intro into Proverbs 8 and really Proverbs overall. What we're going to see is wisdom is a blessing. And wisdom is an attribute of God that he desires to give to us. But not only that, he doesn't just desire to give us this attribute called wisdom. He desires to invite us in to get to know him so that we can get to know the God of wisdom and gain wisdom, gain a holistic perspective of who this God of wisdom is. And so oftentimes in the Proverbs, when I approach Proverbs, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of good things being said here, and I tend to go to Proverbs just to get wisdom, but as I was studying, I was like, man, I need to go to Proverbs to get God. I need to go to Proverbs to get the person of Jesus that I might gain him and see life through him and gain wisdom that way. And so I think that as we go through this, we're going to begin to see that wisdom is not just this attribute that God gives us and distances us from him. He doesn't just say, here's a gift. It's wisdom, be wise. Here's some philosophy books, now do it. Um, Spend your money wisely, now go. 
But he invites us in with a heart. He desires to bless us. He desires to give to us. And wisdom is one of the things that he desires to give of himself to us. So God wants to give us wisdom. But more importantly, he wants to give us himself. And my hope is that we'll love the God of wisdom and gain the perspective of God on life as it is evidenced in wisdom. So some of us may say, man, we lack wisdom. We need wisdom. How do we, how do we get wisdom? And James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So he's not judging you, grading you, scaling you like, you didn't use wisdom well last time. Remember Chucky over here? Yeah. I'm not giving you wisdom this time. No, God says, I don't, I don't see your record when you come to me and ask. And so we need to know that about the posture of God and approach God according to his posture, not just our posture, that God wants to give generously to us. And so we come to him and we say, Lord, I'm lacking wisdom. I need it. But more importantly, I need you. Would you give me you? And would you give me wisdom? Behind wisdom's disposition of offering herself to you, which we're going to see in Proverbs 8. So wisdom's personified in Proverbs 8. And wisdom's going to offer herself to us. Behind her is a generous God eagerly seeking to give us wisdom. And eagerly seeking to give us himself. So we're going to talk about the disposition of wisdom. I'm just going to go through a couple verses in Proverbs 8. But when I approached Proverbs 8 and was reading through it, and I was like, man, this is like Solomon's Twitter feed. I'm like, I can't just like read this. Be like, oh, I should retweet that. Um, Because it's just like, wow, there's so much wisdom in 140 characters or less. This is amazing. Like, people should read this more often. It's really exciting. Behind that is Solomon just writing. And so chapter and verse divisions came much later than the original writing. Someone decided to do that much later. So when you begin to read the Bible, consider that part of the story might be found in other chapters and in other verses. So when we look at Proverbs 8, as I was looking at Proverbs 8, I said, man, this runs parallel to Proverbs 7. This runs parallel to Proverbs 9, probably because when Solomon wrote or sat down and wrote, he wasn't like, all right, yeah, I want them to read this on the seventh of the month and this on the eighth of the month. He was just writing, right? And he's, he's writing his heart. He's, he's gaining, uh, he's giving us the wisdom that he's gained. And so I'm going to jump into Proverbs 7 real quick to give us a picture, a contrast of, of how he wants to give us wisdom in Proverbs 8. All right, let's do this. All right, so a little recap of Proverbs 7. The adulterous woman is pursuing a man lacking sense. She wants to take over. There's this man, he's, he's going out in the city, and there's, there's this adulterous woman in the city, taking a high stance, saying, hey, come in here, come in here. She's, she's seducing him. She's giving him who she is. And she's wooing him into herself. 
She is loud and wayward. She does not stay at home. She lies in wait in the commonplace for men like this. Men that are just like, oh, yeah, sure. Didn't have any other plans. <laughs> just, just walking out here on the road. Can I invite me in? That sounds fun. She seizes him and kisses him and with a bold face tells him that she was looking for him. Huh. Really? That's flattery. And, you know, as I'm approaching this, I was like, Lord, does my heart give in to flattery like that? Am I susceptible to this kind of stuff? Because it's painting the picture of, we don't know the background of this guy. He's, he's simple. But there's something very drawing about this woman. And she seduces him. She says, I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. This isn't on the screen. This is just before we jump in here. This is some context. And so she, she invites him into this place. He knows the conditions. He knows, he knows what's available to him. And she's, she's painting a picture of, let's do this in secret. Let's go to this place. And really, this is evidence of being a fool. Where someone comes in with an agenda that's not lined up with the agenda of God and is persuasive, and this guy doesn't have the whereabouts to say, ah, this is in contrast to what I know about the living, righteous God. And so he's a fool. He's lacking sense. He's lacking something substantial that's already been laid a foundation in his heart. He doesn't have wisdom. And there's a consequence. In, in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. He doesn't realize, right? That, oh yeah, he's just taking one gradual step at a time. Bam, he's in the slaughterhouse. He's just there, he's caught, he's snagged all at once. Or a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know it will cost him his life. And so he's not weighing, will my actions have consequence? Will my actions bear weight on the future? And Solomon wants us to see this here. That really our decisions have consequences, but he's saying, look, don't be a person without vision. Don't be a person without prudence. Don't be a person without discerning with wisdom. This young man's attention was captured and his affections followed. Principle for life. Your heart goes where your eyes go. You go where your eyes go. I've never driven where I wasn't looking yet. Some people do, right? 
But when our attention's captured, when our attention is captured, our affections begin to follow. So you could set your eyes on, I gotta have that new iPad. All of a sudden your heart's like, yeah, you do. It's like, wow, that wasn't there before. I guess I do. Our heart follows our focus and our focus fuels our affections. And so really the battle for our affections is first a battle for our focus and asking God to capture our focus that he might capture our affections. And then Proverbs 8 comes in. Wisdom. Does not wisdom call out? There's a rescue here. There's a guy like an ox going to the slaughterhouse, like a a deer ready for slaughter. He, He doesn't know where he's going. And then wisdom's like, I'm here. I'm contending. I'm calling out. I want life for you. I want you to be rescued. I want to capture your attention. I want to capture your affections. And so wisdom personified here is saying, I'm calling out to you. I'm contending with the adulterous woman. I'm contending with foolishness. I'm contending with wickedness. Listen to me. And we need to see this in Proverbs because Proverbs isn't just like, oh, I guess that's, that's a good idea. No, life is at stake because this is the character of God wooing us to righteousness, wooing us into um, a life that reflects his design for us. Says, does not understanding raise her voice? Isn't she also contending? You say, I didn't know. Doesn't understanding say, well, no. Learn. Discern, engage, seek truth. Go that direction. On the heights beside the way. See, she's also in a high place. Wisdom is contending. Wisdom's not backing down. I can just see the adulterous woman here. Come this way, come on. And wisdom saying, no, dude, come on. Live life. Have life. Beside the gates in front of the town where people are, right? So wisdom's making effort to make herself known. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Wisdom's disposition is one of earnest desire to serve you for your good. Wisdom isn't just putting restrictions on us like, ah, you shouldn't drink red dye after eight. Wisdom wants to give herself to you to bless you. And that's a reflection of the character of God. I really sense that in our hearts, we need to know that God wants to give himself to us. Doesn't withhold the fun from our lives. He has something better for us, something more rewarding, something more enduring for us that he wants us to have. He wants us to have him. And wisdom is a reflection of the character of God. Wisdom's desire is to draw your attention to bless you, to interrupt your aimless, haphazard, destructive path. Wisdom will not let you Go down the road of destruction without a fight. 
She's going to contend. I'm so thankful for friends in my life that have possessed wisdom that said, this is a destructive path. I want to contend for you because I'm interested in your future. I'm interested in you gaining life and avoiding destruction. So we need to see that wisdom is interested in us. Wisdom is calling out, contending with the voice of the adulterous woman and warning us of the dangers of the world. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on wisdom. And so there's an antidote. There's a solution for the problem really dealing with our hearts. It's like, oh, if you lack this, go, dig it up, discover it, gain it like riches, gain it like jewels. The invitation and challenge of wisdom is to gain prudence. And when you gain prudence, set your heart on it. I'll define prudence my own way in a moment. Both wisdom and the adulterous woman are vying for your attention And both can dictate the trajectory of your life. And so there's moments in our lives where our heart's being contended for and the decisions we make really determine the course we'll go. And so wisdom's contending for us is really a life or death matter. Prudence is looking ahead And taking measured action to avoid what is evil and walk in what is right. Prudence is looking ahead and taking measured action to avoid what is evil and walk in what is right. Wisdom won't leave you alone. Wisdom does not leave us guessing how to avoid the destruction of our lives. Praise God. We're not guessing, how do I get out of this situation? We need to, wisdom comes subtly and over time. If we want wisdom, we need to be face to face with the living God every day. For just the distractions, the temptations, the calling, the contending that happens every day. And as we do that, it builds us into a posture of knowing the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is objectively right. It does not change. It does not move. It comes after you. And I want to take a moment and drill on this for a moment because the world would say, we can't know what's objectively right. But if Jesus is the first and the last, the beginning of the end, is if he is the image of the invisible God, if all things were made through him, by him, and for him, and out of him, through the scope of him, everything is seen. If Jesus is the place where that begins, then we can know. We can go back to the world and say, I can know for sure what objective truth is. And I got to tell you, I want to contend that in this culture, there is such a current, right? There's a current that moves us away from objective truth. And we have to work hard to say, no, this is objective truth. I know the word of God and I'm standing on it. And when the waves of culture come, I'm standing firm because I've got something to stand on and he doesn't move. 
And I've told this story before, but it's just so vivid in my mind. I remember going to the beach many times as a kid, and uh, sometimes I blended in with the sky. I was so white and pasty. And, and my mom, you know, would, would pull me out of the ocean every 15 minutes to put sunscreen on me. It was embarrassing, especially when I was like half a mile away down the ocean shoreline. But what I remember is she would tell me, hopefully I wasn't like 17 at this point. Um, <laughs> I think I was though. <laughs> what she would tell me is, if you can't see me, you've gone too far. What I didn't realize was in the ocean, Everything is moving a little bit. So you're jumping waves and all of a sudden you're over here. Another wave comes and you're over here. And then it's like, is that a stingray? You know, and you're down here and your mom's still up there. But I remember, if I look up, my mom's staying in the exact same place. And so if I'm, if I'm just looking at my surroundings, I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm just having a good time in the waves. But if I'm looking at the one that's captured my attention and says, look at me. You need to know where I am at all times. Then I've got a reference point to say, I'm not where I should be right now. And so it was my mother's wisdom to say, I need you to look at me. If you can't see me, you've gone too far. And I got to say, church, in a culture that's moving under our feet, and we don't realize it, if we just look around, we're going to move right with it. But if we're looking at Jesus... We're going to know what truth is, and we're going to stand there and say, man, no, that's truth. That's the direction we need to head. We need to get out of the waves, out of the current. Here, I'm bringing you with me. I don't want you to die and get lost. Let's go. So Jesus is our constant, and wisdom contends with us that we would see life that way. And so here's a couple things we need to do. We need to set our eyes on the generous wisdom giver. God wants to give you wisdom, like sunscreen, every 15 minutes. I used to joke about SPF 100. I was like, because, you know, they used to say anything over SPF 30 really is like the same thing. You know, they're just making stuff up. At this point. And then they came out with SPF 100. I'm like, man, this must like push the sun away. Like, sun's like, oh, stuff is potent, man. So we're setting our eyes on the generous wisdom giver. And as we do that, like I said, our affections follow our focus. We set our heart on the generous wisdom giver. And we start to say, man, he really, he really is giving me wisdom. Like I haven't, even, I haven't even bothered to ask him yet for wisdom. I haven't bothered to get to know him yet. But now that I know him, I realize he's just unloading the goodness on me. And it's like as we get to know God, we start to see, man, he's generous. He gives us what we need. And as we do that, we begin to walk the straight and narrow, not just because our eyes are linked there, but because our heart wants to go there. And so our treasure is drawing us. And we're like, yeah, I need to go that direction because my eyes are set on God and he's giving me what I need. 
And so prudence begins with seeking wisdom. We look ahead and it stirs in our hearts that, man, we should gain wisdom. We should gain understanding. And prudence takes root when you set your heart on that which will lead you through temptation. So prudence takes root. It starts to get in the ground and keep you stable when your heart is set on Jesus who's going to lead you right through temptation. Temptation's going to come. But Jesus leads us through the currents of culture. Seeking wisdom is a prudent plan evidenced by walking through temptation and not giving in. And the evidence of having wisdom is that you've grown into her disposition. That you're not just doing what she says, but there rises up in you something that says, I want to look at life through this scope and carry this posture and make these decisions that wisdom makes. So basically, she doesn't just give you something, she changes you. That's the grace of God, that he doesn't just give us good ideas. He makes us wise. He comes after us. As wisdom's words contend for you, give yourself to wisdom. Just say, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't want to be naive. That, that's always the struggle point because there's pride in that split second. I can do what I want. This seems more enjoyable for the moment. There's a huge cloud over that that's tough to jump out of. But wisdom's there contending. And when we give ourselves, we just make that hard decision of in that moment, yes, yes, my heart's just saying, Okay, you know, and you jump into wisdom. It's like, I can show you the world. You know, and it's just all of a sudden like, wow. Okay, all right. Don't get me started now. All right, verses eight and nine. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands. And write to those who find knowledge. Wisdom will not mislead you. That's what wisdom wants to say. That's what God wants to say right now. If you trust the words of God, you're not going to go astray. Why? Because the path of God is not a crooked path. It is a straight and narrow path. And so you're not going to have to wonder like, oh, am I going the right direction? Man, if you're following the one who's going the right direction, you're going to go the right direction. And so what he's doing, what God's doing in this moment, isn't just saying, yeah, here's some objective points I want you to hit. He's saying, follow me. Let's do this. Let's go the right direction. Let's find knowledge together. And really, as you find the living God, you found the source of knowledge. Wisdom is for you. Wisdom does not want to mislead you. Wisdom will bring you peace. And wisdom's value system goes like this. Take my instruction instead of silver. So there's an action required to lay hold of, to take instruction instead of silver. So contrasting instruction and silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, 
and all that you desire cannot compare with her. So, let me get this straight, Solomon, who's writing this. Instruction is better than silver. And Solomon would know because he was the richest man for his time, or maybe for a lot of time, I don't really know. He says, knowledge is better than choice gold. What are you telling me? What are you telling me? I thought if I could gain all this silver and gold, that I would be better off. Wisdom is better than jewels. Wisdom is better than all you could desire. What God gives is definitively better than what the world gives, and they are ours for the taking. And there's a place that says, um, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And I stopped and paused on that and said, okay, so the crucible is worthy of testing silver. And the furnace is worthy of testing gold. But God says, the human heart is so important to me that I want to take the personal responsibility of testing the heart. And so we begin to see the value of something by what it's tested by. And so if God's making himself known personally to us, It's showing that he values a heart after him. He values wisdom. He values knowledge. He values you getting to know him more than the things that won't last for eternity. More than the worldly treasures that we have here on earth. And so here's a little bit about God's economy. Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Enter Dave Ramsey. Now, I want you guys to know, this is talking about your 401k. Okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Like, Dave, how did you do that? Have you taken a hermeneutics class? This isn't just talking about money here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Moth and rust do destroy on earth. But if your treasure's in heaven and is immovable, untouchable, and your heart is landing on your treasure in heaven, then guess what? The elements of the world can't affect you because you're landed on a treasure that can't be touched. Now, but here's the thing. If our heart's set on something that when Jesus comes back is gonna fall and crumble and burn, or in 10 years the warranty runs out and a semi-truck hits it, and your heart's linked on that, you're gonna be devastated. And so really, to protect the heart, you must set your heart on something that cannot be destroyed. And the only thing that cannot be destroyed is a person, and his name is Jesus. And so there is a value system that is anchored in the security of eternity. And when your heart latches on, to that which is secure, you will be secure. So many of our security issues 
are the evidence of loving things that are insecure. I don't know if I'm going to lose my job. I don't know if I'm going to lose all my money. I don't know if I'm going to lose this. I don't know if my kids are going to grow up the way I want them to grow up. I don't know if my car is going to fall apart. I just bought a car that had a check engine light on. That was dumb. (laughs) And then Jeff's like, I want you to preach on Proverbs. I'm like, I don't know that's a good idea. (sighs) Yeah. So when you love something that will crumble, you will crumble. When you love something that's secure, you will be secure. Here's the habitation of wisdom. We're still in Proverbs 8. Everyone doing fine? Verses 12 and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. If you walk into wisdom's house, this is what you will find. So there's things associated with the dwelling of wisdom. And so you can't just go into wisdom's house and just get wisdom. You're going to possess prudence also. If you possess wisdom, then you will also possess knowledge and discretion. And when you dwell with wisdom, wisdom will dwell inside of you. And it mentions the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. You cannot love God and love what God hates. Notice that? If God's calling you and there's a clear path of wisdom, don't, don't walk in this way. And then there's the clear call of the things that hate God and that God's opposed to. You can't be in this direction and love God. The heart doesn't have that kind of dichotomy capacity. It's all or nothing. But the fear of the Lord is the safest place to be. Wisdom grows when your affections are stirred for the one who possesses wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom is found within the caverns of the character of God. So if you want to go spelunking for treasures, to scrape your knees a little bit, I remember, okay, I went, I went spelunking, like cave diving, in a cave in Nepal. We went in and it was fun. And I remember like scraping my knees, but it was so fun. You know, we didn't know what we would find. And it was like just the process of navigating was exciting. And I came back from Nepal and was like, I got to go spelunking, you know, like everywhere and, and find stuff. But when we approach God and realize that God is vast, and that there are treasures within him. We will not be disappointed. And we need to give ourselves to the excitement and to the process of exploring the depths of who our God is. Amen? Amen. If you want to get wisdom, you have to go spelunking into the depths of God. 
This is how it works. God made it to be that in order to receive the blessings of God, you have to receive God. And so he's not just inviting us to go to his hand and be like, thanks, Dad. You know, like, here's car keys. Okay, bye. Um, But he's inviting us into relationship with him. And when he invites us into relationship with him, we begin to receive all that he has to give. But primarily what he gives is himself. God wants to give you himself. Psalm 34 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Those who look to him shall never be ashamed. Their faces are radiant. He delivered them from all his fears. And then it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. The safest place to be is in the fear of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? You fear God, you draw in. But then as you begin to revere him and see him, you begin to see that love is flowing towards you. Church, receive the love of God. Approach God reverently, humbly. Fear him, revere him. But when you get inside, there is a love fest going on where your heart rises up in joy and you begin to see, man, I'm safe here. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I want that kind of blessing. Wisdom wants that kind of blessing for you. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Church, wisdom, when we approach wisdom, we often think of how can I apply this to money and stuff. Man, if you want wisdom, go to Jesus to get Jesus. Go to the living God to get the living God. The fear of the Lord is designed to point you towards Jesus. That's where we're going here. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. God is the place where wisdom begins and the revelation of Jesus is the scope of seeing life. If you want to see life the way God sees life, get Jesus. He came, he died for you that you could be reconciled to him. Colossians 1 says this. Man, I love Colossians 1. I I like try to bring it into every sermon because it is a scope that we see all of life through. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so Jesus comes and redeems you and buys you out of a place of foolishness, out of a place of not having prudence. And he doesn't just give you an attribute of wisdom. He gives you himself and all the treasuries that go with having Jesus. God is on a mission to bring us into relationship with him and give us grace to walk in his ways. See, we don't begin to walk the ways of God until we're in a relationship with Jesus. And so every day, where wisdom begins is just saying, I want to get to know the living God. I want to spend time with him. 
God doesn't just want to give you instruction. He gave you himself. Jesus doesn't just want to make you wise. He wants to graft you in to the source of wisdom. By his blood, Jesus empowered us to walk in the grace of wisdom instead of the suffocating sin of folly and the adulterous woman. Through life, even as redeemed people, there's that voice, come this way. Wow, that really had an echo to it. Amazing. There's that temptation that lies in wait for us, but the blood of Jesus to say, don't just follow wisdom, but you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with my love. You've been bought with me inviting you into my character, inviting you in to relationship with me. And now we stand on a disposition and a place of not just choosing right and wrong, but being loved by that who chose right for us. So that we can say, man, it's not just instruction that we're gaining. It's a relationship. It's a love that he gave to us that we can now walk hand in hand with Jesus and say, yes, I want to walk the way you walk. And so here's just the progression of wisdom. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. The Lord brings you to him. You revere him. Wow, my heart. Lord, you you're holy. You begin to see him. The scales are taken off your eyes as to who he really is. And you see the intricacies of who he is. And you begin to see life through the scope of who he is. Through Jesus, we come to God to get God. And wisdom is a consequence and outcome. Jesus is the lens for life. We need to see, man, Jesus cares about abortion because human beings are made in his image. Jesus cares about marriage because the covenant reflects the covenant of God. The the father loves the son and the son loves the father and that through them they decided to redeem a people for their own possession. The order of life begins with Seeing God. That's where wisdom begins. That's, where, that's the lens of wisdom. We want to see who Jesus is. We want to see who God is. We want to see what God is like. And then the outflow of our lives is wisdom. I'd like to invite the worship team up as, as we close here. When you bow to the maker in the fear of the Lord, pride is diminished and wisdom is gained. Church, can we, can we close our eyes for a minute and just receive? I want to I pray. I want to speak blessing over us. I want to I want us to just be in a posture of receiving the blessing of wisdom. Proverbs 8, 17 through 21 says this. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. 
Jesus, I thank you that you want to give yourself to us, that you want to give wisdom to us, that wisdom is just an expression of who you are. And Lord, I thank you that we can be rich in you, that we can be blessed with the storehouses of heaven in you. God, I I pray for our lives in Washington, D.C., that as we operate, as we move about, as we work, it would be clear that our lives look through a different lens. That we've heard the call of wisdom to follow. That we've explored the treasures, the storehouses of wisdom. And Lord, that we would walk out of, Lord, a love, God, for what we found in you. Jesus, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.